This is episode 31 with Kenya Romanowska, founder of Pros and Babes. And today we'll be talking about the reality of being a professional working mom and moms-to-be and some helpful strategies. I heard that moms would miss intellectual conversations on maternity leave. And I knew there was a gap for those connections to happen. A lot of the moms groups really focus on baby and taking care of baby. And there's not a focus on mom's mindset and mom's career and mom's professional goals. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love Podcast, keeping your motherhood inspired. Today's episode is going to get very specific. What I mean by that is we're going to talk about professional working mothers or career-minded mothers. That includes if you're thinking of having kids and you know you'll be a professional career woman, you'll be back to work a couple months after giving birth or after your mat leave, then this episode is for you. You learn how to protect your career and your income as a working mother or how to get back into that professional working life while being a mom. We're going to help you figure it out today. I'm not going to get into the specific of who Kenya is because I do talk about her in this episode. But we have to talk about the special discount she's giving you, the Citrus Love a listener. So I have to talk about this just before we get started. If you're listening to this episode, this is being released the first week of July. So she released a couple days ago her new 12-month online program called Mamba or Mom BA, so M-O-M-B-A, that will help pregnant or mothers on maternity leave. Even if you're a mom and you have a second child or you just want that support to network with career-minded, ambitious women like you, it's going to help you align your goals. Inya will be sharing some of her strategies on how you can integrate that career, those ambitious goals, and still be a mom. What she's offering to you listeners, if you register for Mom BA, have to email her team, info at roseandbabes.com, subject line, citrus love, discount code, Mom BA. The special discount is 30%, so you can write discount 30 citrus love listener. Make sure to mention us so you'll get that and you'll have access to it. I'll put all of the information, all of the links. Check out our website, citruslove.com slash episode 31, episode 31 with Kenya from Pros and Babe. I'll write everything down and that's it. 
So if you know another professional working mother, this episode is so interesting. There's stats talking about it and listening to what's been going on in society for those professional working mothers. So make sure to share this episode with a friend who is a career-minded, focused, ambitious mom, mom mom-to-be, and let's support each other. So without further ado, let's listen in to our conversation. Welcome, Kenya, to the Citrus Love Podcast. Thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me, Christiana. I'm so excited. (laughs) I can't wait to have this conversation, which is incredibly important for working mothers and a lot of working moms or moms-to-be. This is a topic that puts more pressure and anxiety when they don't know what to expect when they're going to have kids and going back to work. So to help them understand and make them feel more at ease, we're going to talk about it. But it's going to be especially for women that are in a professional field and want to start planning financially and start their family. So let's talk a bit about you to understand how you got to where you are today. You're a working mom of two. You've got a I think nine months old and a three-year-old, right? Yes, that's correct. So you were born in Poland, grew up in Montreal, and then moved to Edmonton, Alberta. You're currently the founder and executive director of Pros and Babes, which we'll be talking about today. But there's one thing I found absolutely fascinating about your work background. So you've worked as a research journalist and freelance journalist and translator. You've traveled many different countries, Turkey, Guatemala, Yugoslavia, in Europe, Zambia, Azerbaijan. How many languages do you actually speak if you were working as a translator? So I, some of them are rusty right now, but six, I can, I can, there's two I can get by in Russian and Croatian, I can get by in and Spanish, English, French, and Polish are common languages. I mostly worked in French, Polish, and English for my translation work and sometimes in Spanish. And do you still do a bit of that work or that was before? That was earlier, although if some of my beloved clients reach out to me ad hoc, then I cannot refuse. (laughs) (laughs) so what made you get into that type of work at the time like becoming a journalist how exactly uh, was your work at the time I always had a curiosity for people's stories different cultures my background and my parents background is very eclectic so my dad speaks nine languages and he traveled a lot and was a journalist and I think I was inspired by him he also worked as a translator for some time and because I was born in Poland and I had a lot of family there, we, we went there constantly. So for a long time, I was truly straddling two continents. And the more I traveled and discovered different cultures, the more I wanted to learn about them. And so in my youth, that's what I focused on. It was my goal to learn as many languages as possible and to visit as many countries as possible and to understand lifestyles, religions philosophies and to tell those stories around the world and so that led to different projects right a bit of translation there some international development projects some communication projects so it was it was an eclectic fabric of a young woman who did not have any attachments or kids and wanted to discover everything the world had to offer wow and how young were you when you actually moved to Canada yes yeah, so my family left Poland when I was two we moved to Sweden And we came to Canada when I was four. Mm. 
Wow. I love hearing the journey of people and their story. It's so beautiful to and different. And that's what's a fun about talking to different people. So let's talk about your personal experience as a working mom for yourself. So I'm curious to know when you were pregnant with your first child, did you work until the end? Yes, I did. So I worked in corporate communications and I was at my office work up until pretty much until I delivered. I think I maybe went off work a week or two before my mat leave. Unfortunately, we had a car accident during my uh, pregnancy. It was nothing serious, but it did aggravate a back injury. And so I had to work for from home for some time and go for some treatments for my back uh, that that made it painful but I, I worked through the majority of my pregnancy and the later part was from home because it got too difficult to wobble on the ice <laughs> to walk to work and so I didn't really feel safe and I was thankful that I was able to work from home and also take micro breaks of that possibility and the the understanding and the support to do that. Did you plan anything ahead of time? Because you seem to be a person that is really organized and has strategies and all that. I'm wondering if you did anything to prep your environment. Yes, uh, you're taking me back, Christian. My, my older son just turned three and, and I'm trying to think what exactly I did. For sure, I did some planning. I did a summary of my career at my employer in a one-page document, in a visual document, in a journey of my milestones and my accomplishments and what I was hoping to go back to and when. And I believe I, I don't know if it was this Matt Lee or the other one, but I wrote a letter to myself so that I would know what I would be coming back to and know my skills. Because I know that a lot of moms feel that after a year of being away from work, they can feel disconnected. They can feel like they have mommy brain. I'm pretty sure I read as much as I could, but to be honest, I probably discovered the best resources during my maternity leave when I founded Pros and Babes and I actually started researching keywords about back to work planning and back to work worksheets and things like that. I did some planning before, but the bulk of the good resources that I recommend to moms right now, I found actually during my first maternity leave. And since then I've been, you know, I research them all the time and I try to provide the best resources for moms to plan. So when you went on your first math leave, were you taking full year, like the 12 months we get in Canada, like most people get, I, I should say? Yes, I did. I, I believe I took a year, maybe slightly more because my husband is a teacher. So he is off during the summers. You know, my son was born at the end of May. And so June was this kind of strange transition month, right? Where we, we were not sure about childcare. So I took mm-hmm. a couple of months and maybe a couple of days. The spark that inspired you to start this business to support professional working mothers, it happened during your first maternity leave? Yes, and I didn't head into this with the intention of growing a business. I heard that moms would miss intellectual conversations on maternity leave. And I knew there was a gap for those connections to happen. A lot of the moms groups really focus on baby and taking care of baby, and there's not a focus on mom's mindset and mom's career and mom's professional goals. And it's such a huge transition going from, you know, being at work, getting up, putting on your professional clothes, putting on lipstick, doing your hair, 
uh, going to work, having your coffee, speaking to colleagues, feeling productive, like you're, you're set in that routine and that's your identity as a working mom or as a, as a working pregnant woman, right? And then you, you give birth and you find yourself at home and all that structure that you had that gave meaning and purpose to your days before is completely flipped upside down. It's just a whole new person is born, not just the baby, but the mother is born as a as an identity. And there there's really no structure to navigate that. Everybody kind of has to figure it out on their own. And so once I started bringing women together, and I'm a big believer in structure and curriculum, and I didn't want to do these one-time events. I wanted women to just go through a mini course and, and walk away with some specific ideas on specific topics related to career. I, I put it together. It was 4 a.m., I had come back from Poland because I wanted my son to visit my grandparents. And, you know, my first mat leave was like my son wanted me all the time. It was that type of dynamic. This one is quite different and the baby's personality is different. But literally, I think it was 4 a.m. I wasn't sleeping. He was sleeping. And I said, OK, let's do it. I'll I'll throw something on the Internet. I'll just write a couple of notes to people I know and see if people show up. And so the first cohort of moms showed up. We met every week for eight weeks and I would bring articles from Harvard Business Review or New York Times or excerpts from books that I found interesting so that we could actually talk about work and career and goals. And as I listened to the moms and the questions they had and the concerns they had, I would start, you know, I would build more and more materials to respond to their needs and I refined that. And then I had moms reaching out to me and asking me if I had anything for working moms and I didn't at the time, but I thought, okay, let's do something. So I created a, a peer mentorship program for working moms where we meet on a, a little bit more spaced out basis in the evening. And then they asked me, well, what about the dads? So I said, okay, let's do something for dads. And that's how Hops and Pops was born, where dads can come together for hikes or even go to pubs that are baby friendly or, you know, go roast sausages in the River Valley and uh, talk about their experience being in a dual career household because when both parents work it, it is a pretty intense pace of life and fathers don't necessarily have a lot of outlets uh, or connection points to bring up those issues and I asked my husband to support that and, and it's it's interesting the topics that come up right they, they talk about diapers and discipline and mm-hmm. And all these things that maybe wouldn't come up spontaneously when, when fathers come together, but because there's that light structure and intention, it, it does come up. So that's a long answer to your question, but it set out <laughs> a hope to offer a deep, meaningful networking connection. And over time, I've been growing it at the pace I can with the two children I have. Also, going back to my full-time corporate job and managing a pregnancy. So it's, it's, you know, it's been growing in leaps and bounds, I'd say. Sometimes it's slower and sometimes faster. And in the last year, I've invested tremendously into growing it. I have some people supporting me right now to, to grow it. And I, I hope to expand the programming across Canada. In fact, we're launching a new program that is much more intensive, much more structured, longer term, and that women from every province of Canada will be able to join online. And I'm so excited about that because it seems like there there are no similar supports for, for women this way. And I'm going to call it the Mom BA program so that they can address all the topics that I've heard about that women find important or maybe know that are important but don't have the structure to study because they're always running in between 
you know, diapers and food and trying to take a shower and maybe nursing while peeing. I'm trying to create a curriculum that they can kind of consume in their lifestyle, like listen to it when they're nursing their baby or bite-sized pieces of information. But that will help them move in the direction of creating the happy mom life they want, like one nibble at a time with the support of a community to do it. So will it be in audio form online? Is that what you're saying? A mix, yes. There's going media. So there are going to be live meetings with other moms. There are going to be recorded videos, worksheets. There's a mobile app that they can use so they can listen to the recordings as well or in video form. They can fill out the worksheets when they have the time. They can read articles. We provide them the structure and they can decide what is most important for them in the moment but know that they always have something to come back to, to support them and guide them. That's great. I have a question because from what I understood about pros and babes and that it's for career minded working moms or moms to be that this program might not be a right fit for all working mothers. Can you explain exactly for who it is, what type of working mom your business at Pros and Babes caters to or is a perfect fit? Absolutely. So I'd say it's for the mom who is really interested in gaining the right mindset and the skills and the control and organization for working motherhood and the confidence to know she's protecting her career and income during her maternity leave. So it's women who really want to be present in their motherhood, but also really want to stay invested and focused on their career. And they're wondering how they're going to have it all and how they're going to manage day by day to get the promotions or do the meaningful work that is worth it to keep them away from the home and the family, but also when they're with their kids to spend that quality time. So it's mostly for for moms who have professional career that they want to stay invested in, they intend to go back to work, and they intend to have the support systems, the childcare, the outsourcing systems to help them succeed, because really that's what it takes. So we have more and more engineers coming to us, more and more lawyers, we have senior government workers, we have accountants, women who have invested a lot in their careers, essentially, and are seeking that now next step and don't want to stop working even when they've had their children. The mothers that don't have any kids yet, can they go or they need to be pregnant or have at least a child? You know what? I would I would encourage people to start thinking about this super early on in the process. Ultimately, if you're not pregnant, you are you are most most welcome to come because the topics we touch upon are relevant to all women. But you know, I know that it's tricky, right? If you're trying to have a child and struggling with fertility, I will say I don't have the exact support systems for that specific psychological journey. So mm-hmm. probably encourage women to wait until they are pregnant, because if they, they are trying to get pregnant, wherever they are on their journey, I think you need to focus on yourself and your health. And I can't say I'm in a position to to support that I, I do it informally, people reach out to me with those questions but I don't do it formally. I think pregnancy is an absolutely fantastic time to join. And I would love if more pregnant women started joining the program to think about it early, because I was thinking about some of the questions you sent my way. And a lot of it is about preparation and mindset. Employers vary tremendously in terms of the resources they offer to their employees to prepare for mat leave. And it can take quite a bit of time to reach out to the right HR person, to talk to your financial planner, 
to understand your benefits, to understand your, your husband's benefits. And it can be really overwhelming. So when I was planning for my mat leave, I started really early and I started crunching numbers early and I couldn't get all the information I wanted right away. And the, in the end, we ended up being super okay and doing way better than I, than I anticipated. But nobody told me, you're going to be okay. Your finances are going to be okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So if you start planning early on, as soon as you're able to physically, because you have to be kind to yourself, right? You're growing a human being. You can be so tired in that pregnancy, but starting with an intention, like a blank piece of paper, thinking about those categories of life that are so important for, for families, relationships, money, mindset, postpartum support, just drawing a picture of what it is that you want and what you envision is such a great reminder of what's important to you. And no matter what happens during your pregnancy journey, you know, whether you have the birth you want or it's a more difficult birth, whether your baby sleeps easily or doesn't, it's just good to have that intention and that mindset, that structure, right? Mm-hmm. So I've heard that with, which question you asked me, I'm sorry. Oh, yes, when, when they should. <laughs> I think the earlier, the better. So if they can start thinking about it earlier, it's better. But many, many women join us mostly when they are on maternity leave. And some of them join us when they're working already because they need that extra support. Mm -hmm. I want to just read a few topics you have on your website just to let the listeners know exactly some topics you cover. Matrescence, motherhood meets professional skills and goals, emotional labor, managing two career households, relationship with spouse and sharing parental leave, birth stories, postpartum, mental health, nutrition at different stages and managing drama and transition at work. So that covers a lot. From all the mothers you've met um, through your programs at Pros and Babes, what seems to be the most challenging topics for working mothers you've met? I think there's a bit of everything, really, that first year going back to work after maternity leave is definitely challenging for many because the baby, you know, is still learning to talk and to meet certain milestones. And I think one theme actually, sorry, that emerges is anxiety about the unknown. They don't know what it will be like going back to work and juggling career and family. That's one comes up, that one comes up a lot. Another one I noticed is not a lot of women are super comfortable talking about money. You know, a small percentage of them do some of the planning. A lot of them don't, and they actually don't like to think about it. So I encourage them to get out of their comfort zone and take that next step. We talk about wills and estate planning and making sure you have all the documents in place to protect your family, because if your family relies on your income, it's important to have those in place, right? So that one is a little bit tough. And And another one is perinatal mood disorders. They are very common, like extremely common. And I see more and more women speaking about not just postpartum depression, but also pregnancy mood conditions and how their mood changes and how some of them feel depressed during pregnancy. And this evolution in the last few years in terms of women opening up and being very frank, and it's been normalized, which makes me happy. There's a lot less shame talking about these things than there was a few years ago. So, you know, emotional labor comes up too, and definitely the division of labor at home. Like there's emotional labor, mental labor, and domestic labor, and they're slightly different things, but ultimately it's kind of 
all the weight that we carry on our shoulders of managing the kids, managing the family, like the list that's in your head, making sure you talk to your spouse about a fair division of labor, outsourcing things, right? So it can create a huge mental load, like that cloud, that list that keeps you up at night. That is also a pretty big one that is interesting to discuss. Mm-hmm. I know that before like COVID-19, your your programs were not drop-in sessions. You had to register online for the programs. Has everything, all these programs been on hold or are you working on keeping them in person going forward or will they be online? So COVID forced us to move everything online and we did successfully. And I was surprised at how well it's been going. I actually thought that I needed to have the programs in person that the moms really wanted to get out of the house. And I think that's obviously a perk, mm-hmm. but all the huge advantages of doing it online with the right technology, it gives a little bit more flexibility if the sessions fall during your baby's nap time. So women can stay at home, participate and put the baby in the crib, which they couldn't do when we were meeting in person, right? And that seemed to be a deterrent for some moms. They just didn't want to mess their kids' nap schedule. I'm not sure if I'm going to go back to in-person because taking the programming online has helped me be able to expand across Canada. And before that, I didn't really know how to do it and to keep the programs affordable. So I believe that I will continue doing it online. Maybe over time, I might re-add an in-person component But because of the uncertainty with COVID and the different waves, and I don't want to expose anybody to risk, like we don't know which way this is going to go, right? If it's Mm -hmm. going to up or down, I realize that we can still give amazing support and connection to moms using online platforms. And that makes me really happy. For a lot of mothers, actually meeting up in person, it brings a lot of value and connecting on that level is amazing. Do you have that option with, are you doing like Zoom or group calls, adding that component for your programs? Yes. So the calls are on Zoom and I use a platform also called Mighty Networks where I put all my content, my worksheets, we have different polls and interactions So that in between the sessions, women can go in and interact with others as well. In between nursing sessions, you know, while they're they're kind of scrolling through the phone, they can already see what other moms are doing. And then when they actually come to the live Zoom sessions with others, there's already more of that awareness of the topics that we're discussing. Yeah. We had a father join one of our groups. So it was for the first time and it was fantastic. Everybody was so thrilled. He took pretty much a full year of parental leave so his wife could build her business and it added a great component to our discussions. I I would love to have more fathers joining us in the future as well because a lot of the issues that moms face need to have the partner involved to solve them. So to have a father involved was great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) And if you have a partner that's willing to do that, that's a a kind of a bonus. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about the nitty gritty, the societal changes of a working mom and some statistics to let you listening at home know what's happening out there if you're not aware already. I just want to add a side note 
that these statistics are for working mothers in Canada that Kenya has graciously sent me from the research she's been doing and actually a handout you give in one of your programs, I believe. So it's uh, it, it has a lot of good information. It was fascinating to read. Just know that these are specific to Canada, but the scenarios I'm quite sure and you'll explain applies to working moms too in the States. It's not just for Canada. So here we go. If you're wondering, does having children affect women's incomes in Canada? Yes, according to Statistics Canada, on average, the earnings of women with children were 12% less than those of women without children. And this gap increased with the number of children. One, with one child, the gap was 9%. With two children, it was 12%. And three or more children, the gap was 20%. So the earnings gap is on the higher end for highly educated mothers. And another one is in 2014, 69% of couples, families with at least one child under 16 were dual earner families. Another statistic in Canada, Alberta specifically, had the lowest proportion of dual earner families in 2014, 65%, and they also had the highest stay-at-home parents. Versus Saskatchewan, 74% of dual earner families in Quebec with 73% as the highest. Any thoughts on these statistics? Well, let's see, let's go back to the first one that you mentioned. So the wage gap, never nice to hear, but I think it's important to know. And I encourage women to write down how much money they want to make at different stages of their life. You know, when I'm going to be in my 40s, my 50s, my 60s, what I expect to earn, what my husband expects to earn. And I made it clear. I wrote down a number that seemed outrageous back then. <laughs> but <laughs> a few years later, I look at that number and it has come to fruition. So when, when we look at 12% less, you have to ask yourself, well, what is one thing that I can do to change that? Right. It can, it can feel unfair, complex. And as I said, it doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. But if you take time off work, it will affect your earnings, generally speaking. So what can you do to, to change that? And once you write it down and you make it a purpose in your life to focus on it, then you can start attracting the solutions, which will vary from, from person to person. But, you know, one of the big tips, money tips that we discuss, and we have experts to come talk about it, is one of the, the reasons women make less money is because we invest less. So if you know that you might be hit with a wage gap, uh, from your salary, what are other ways that you can bring in money into your life that is not just salary dependent? Yeah, I know some mothers, they have side business that, that brings in extra income. So there's different ways. Yeah, there are different ways. Yeah, for sure. And I think you have to take it part of a big picture because one resource that is very scarce when you're a working mom is time. You, you feel like you never have enough of it. So even if you know there's going to be a wage gap, well, maybe that's something you decide to accept. Maybe you don't only work for a paycheck, but you work for the contribution that you give to the world. So there's a lot of ways to interpret that information. And that's why I don't talk about money in a vacuum. And I talk about all those 12 areas of life. And I talk about being a successful working mom on your terms, because ultimately, it's really hard to have it all. And 
we have that debate. There's Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. And she says that women don't do as well as men professionally because we lean out when we think about having kids. Already when we think about having kids, we maybe don't step up for that next promotion and we want to slow down right away. But she had a debate with another very prominent public figure in the United States. Uh, the name is Anne-Marie Slaughter. She was a very senior official in the White House. She had an extremely supportive husband and she commuted every week to Washington you know, and she spent a week there and then went back home. And she wrote an essay called Why Women Can't Have It All. It's about 20 pages long. It's in the Atlantic. She wrote a book. There's an audio book. And she argues that we should stop blaming women for not having it all, that she points out to systemic issues, for example, with school hours not aligning with work hours. And mm -hmm. so how hard it is to be committed to a demanding career if you, you know, if the school hours don't align, if you're the one running around and picking up the kids. So, you know, so, so I think, I think that that wage gap has to be put into perspective as to what's important to you, not just the money, but the family happiness, the time you want to spend with your kids, like the, what are you going to outsource? How much of your childcare you're going to outsource? How much of the chores you're going to outsource? Because ultimately there are only 24 hours in a day. So when you were talking about a side hustle, it makes me sad to think that a woman would work full time outside of the home, plus have a side hustle. Plus, when do you find time for self-care in your children, right? But isn't that what you did in building your business? Yes, absolutely. And that's why I joke. I say that I bring other people to talk about self-care because this is <laughs> for me and that I really have to plan for. I you know, with, with what I'm doing, it brings an extreme amount of determination and tremendous support systems and tremendous planning, right? Mm -hmm. I always wanted to balance keeping my programs affordable, but ultimately, you know, over time, I also, I am, I am building a business. And so even though I guide women, I, I still, there's a lot of things that are a daily work for me right everybody has to work on mindset and I do that and I have a vision board behind me and I identify what what really matters and I've made huge sacrifices my my days consist of mainly working on my business taking time with my children trying to eat healthy foods and my husband but other than that um, there's there's a lot of things that I don't do that other people do right I have not taken a vacation for a while or I take micro vacations uh, as a one day for myself from time to time with a pandemic, it's been pretty difficult mm -hmm. uh, to do that, right? So it's just reinventing as soon as we had systems in place, whether it's nannies or childcare or even support systems from family, it, it takes a tremendous amount of planning and knowing what is important to you. And I know that this work is very important to me because I don't really know anybody doing it in this capacity. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out something you said, like outsourcing some of the work. And I found that that is so important, especially when you're a mother, when you're a working mother, because I mean, there's still some people that are stuck and I can't, I should be able to do all of it, to cook, to clean, to work, to be there for my kids too, but you burn out eventually. So like you say, self-care, it's like removing the shame or feeling bad about outsourcing some help. It's okay. Christian, I'm so glad you brought it up because I think it's the only way and it's simple physics. There are only so many hours in a day. Your body needs to regenerate. You need to sleep. You need mm -hmm. to 
So you cannot work 60 hours a week, take care of your kids 60 hours a week and cook and clean and have a perfect house if you don't outsource. Think about managers at work. They have people who work for them and do the work. They don't do all the work of their employees. It's the same thing. You're CEO of your own life, right? You have to be realistic. We have certain amounts of money in our bank account that can, that we can use, but we sometimes take a loan to pay for a house because it takes it takes time to earn the money so it's the same principle if you're going to work and both parents are going to work outside of the house full time and have a commute you know how many hours of the day are you going to have lapped for for those other things it's of a couple of hours in a day you better be using that time well and in accordance with your values and what's important for you and taking care of yourself exactly yeah, and more mothers should listen to this part and <laughs> repeat it, write it on the wall, because I think this will help us feel better and take time to actually breathe during the day and say, it's okay. You know, I don't, it's like choosing what, like you said, going with your values. This is important for me. I don't care if my in-laws or my friends or my colleagues say, because of course you'll hear comments and judgment. And it's just about blocking it and saying, this is me. This is what's really important for me and not what looks good to everyone else. Absolutely. Your, your family is your castle. And you have a drawbridge that you can pull up. You know, some um, a family therapist mentioned this is you are your unit. It's your happiness. You have to do what's right for you and your kids. And there is more than one way to parent and there's more than one way to be. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about one term. I was not aware of this, the maternal wall stereotype. Uh, there's so much, so much in this and we rarely hear about it. So tell the mom listening or the mom to be, what is this form of stereotype? Yes. Yeah, so it's, I have science mag in front of me and it's been studied extensively. So they define maternal wall bias. It occurs when colleagues view mothers or pregnant women as less competent and less committed to their jobs. And it's a major problem for women's careers advancement. So I think I shared some studies with you, right? There, there was a landmark study published in 2007 in which researchers sent fake job applications to employers, to marketing and business job openings, right? And the applications were of a similar quality, but they differed in a subtle way. So some made reference to children and parent-teachers associations, and some did not. And women who didn't have children were two times more likely to be called for an interview compared with similarly qualified mothers. Undergraduate students were also asked to examine those same applications and make recommendations to a communications company. And, you know, the only 47% of mothers were recommended for hire as compared with 84 percent of female applicants who didn't have children and the students also rated mothers to be less competent and committed and they recommended eleven thousand dollars less in starting salary and this study also looked for similar evidence of discrimination against fathers and didn't find any if anything fathers fared slightly better in the hiring process than men who didn't have children mm. yeah that's a big one yeah, so I, you know, I took that from Science Mag in front of me, and they give some strategies to navigate that. Um, but it's it's tough 
And it, yeah, it- <laughs> I, I actually read one of the articles that you had um, related to this. And I took some notes because I found these were good tips. So just quickly, I'll share some examples of how to help these working moms. An example was when you leave the office, you should say where and what you're doing if it's related to work. Like I'm leaving, meeting a colleague, a new client, teaching a group, because most people think that when you're leaving the office and they know you have kids, then you're not working. You're taking care of your kids. So you have to, this is unfortunate, but that we need to do this. But if you want to change the mindset and show how dedicated you are about your work, even after having kids, that putting these specific, even your out of office reply in emails, if you're going on a work trip or a sign on the door, this I found funny, a sign on the door, literally saying you're out for meetings, but you can include in those meetings, your family appointments, doctor's appointment for kids. You don't have to specify that, but just say out for meetings. Another thing they said, it shows your commitment to your work, but when you're in a more senior role, then it's okay to say, I'm leaving for a family matter. Yes, it's modeling for younger people, right? So once Mm -hmm. once you're in a position of influence, and let's face it, when you're earlier on in your career, you can be fearful. You're, You're more senior. Sometimes people have older kids or they have kids later on in their life when more and more moms have kids later on in their life when their careers are way more established. These specialists encourage modeling of these behaviors and showing and not hiding that you can have children because there's a debate should I or shouldn't I talk about my kids at work and it it depends on your field it depends on your context it depends on where you are in your career there's no straight cut answer and also how you position it and you frame it There's, there's a whole topic of personal branding right that we could probably talk about for hours but how you talk about your kids and the label that people could stick to you will vary as to uh, where you are in your career and at what stage of um, of your life. Mm-hmm. I remember a friend of mine, a working mom, going back to work after her first mat leave. She took a year off. And I remember she said it felt like she was going back five years of work because it was a client-based service. She Obviously, she had lost clients because she was away. She wasn't working from home or things. So she said it was tough. Like you had to restart again and build again. So there's, like you said, it it varies from your type of work and what you're doing. I mean, some companies are more open to it. So it it depends. It's not every business. So we don't scare off those moms to be. (laughs) But it's just being aware and prepared and feeling confident about going back to work, what to do and how how to communicate. Look, I I think it's important to have that realistic mindset. I don't want to scare people, but also knowing that we still have a ways to go as a society Mm -hmm. to Together, the systems in place. Look, I I talked about returning to work gradually after mat leave, and I'll make an analogy. When people return to work after having an injury, there are often structures in place 
for a gradual return to work and HR processes. And it's just normalized that if you have an injury or sickness, you can come back to work gradually. But there aren't those processes specifically put in place for women who come back after mat leave, or even for women who want to work during maternity leave. There are women who are attracted to our group who work part-time, and not all employers have the structures to do that. There's bureaucratic work that managers have to do to allow moms on mat leave to, to work, right? So I have somebody that I've known for, for a few years now. She's on her second child, and both mat leaves, she started working right away. And in fact, in the States, a lot of women work right away. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if women are really, really concerned about their careers and super invested, then consider spending the money on a nanny, even when the kid is very young. Uh, and if you've covered well from your delivery, don't be ashamed of getting childcare. Don't try to do it all at the same time, right? There, there are so many creative solutions. If you give yourself the freedom, if you remove the shame, and if you know what's really important to you, because if you are in a client heavy industry some lawyers are in that case right if you take a break for a year and do nothing about it it will be really hard to come back and to compete like you're in a very competitive market in in terms of your job right so don't think that you have to follow everybody's path and take that full year of mat leave you you can do it on your terms you can be very creative if you start planning in advance and envisioning and, and doing that drawing that I mentioned what is important to you knowing that you can't have everything all at once, but at least if you're intentional and you know what to drop, there's a lot that you can make happen. At some point I was doing my crowdfunding campaign. My son was three and I had both a nanny and uh, day home services, right? But it took me, it took me a lot of planning. Uh, I managed though, because I planned in advance. I, I I talked with my husband. We looked at the pros and cons. We looked at our vision board. We looked at our values board and we said, okay, it aligns with this value, this value, this value. Let's do it. It was so scary, but we did it and we we survived and the crowdfunding campaign went really well. In fact, this is the reason why um, the business is growing right now, right? Because we took that leap of faith. It wasn't easy, but we did it. Mm-hmm. For you, your husband, would you say he's fully supporting you as a working mother? And how present is he in everything He is 100% supportive. He's a fantastic partner. It doesn't mean we haven't had difficult discussions about domestic labor and mental load and all of these things, but he is a very present partner and extremely present in our kids' lives and, and takes, I'd say, probably even more care directly than I do, right, in terms of the interactions. I do a lot of the planning for our family, which is which is a different type of care and love for our family, but he's extremely involved and very supportive but we have the hard conversation. So perpetual conflict, I don't know if you've heard of that concept, but we discovered recently that 67% of conflict is perpetual, as in you're not going to find a solution. And that was mind-blowing for us because we realized that we have to use our differences as gifts and accept that sometimes we won't find a solution and that's okay. That was a game changer. It was an absolute game changer. And we accept that sometimes we disagree. And it's okay. And he does things differently and I do them differently and it brings benefits to the family. And when I <laughs> moms who listened to me, a lot of them wrote and said, oh my gosh, that's what I needed to hear. Because I keep on having the same conversations over and over and over again with my partner and we go back to square one. But what if you couldn't find a solution to every problem? What if it's okay to live with the discomforts that your differences bring and it's part of marriage? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like agreeing to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> 
There's another thing you you shared, and I want to mention it. I thought that was interesting. You said that if a woman takes more than six months of maternity leave in North America, then it can start impacting her finances. I'm visualizing the research paper. So I was trying to find information because women asked me how long of a mat leave I should take. And that seems to be the statistic. Obviously, if you are on mat leave for a year and you are only getting employment insurance benefits in Canada, I mean, I'm, I'm sure in the States, people would love to have that financial support, but there is only a maximum you can get in terms of money, right? So it will affect your your finances and that's what the research seemed to show was that around six months is where it could have a longer term impact now again it might have been this research or another one it's it's a complex factor every employer varies um i i think this research also mentioned that commitment and competence are the two best tools to fight that so even if you take a longer mat leave you may still be able to not feel the pain of this financial penalty if you show commitment and competence. But the research seems to show that, yes, yeah, six months seems to be the, the kind of sweet spot, it seems, for the length of leave in terms of being neutral on uh, long-term revenue. Mm-hmm. And for a mother that already has one child, so she's already has a set of s- structure and expectations of what it's going to be like going back to work. So a mom expecting a second, third child. Is there anything you've noticed that should be different, different strategies, or is it basically uh, the same process you go through with every child? How are we going to, who's going to take care of them? What's going to be the scheduling and all that? I often see that with a second child, women are so much more confident. And I found that with two kids, it's actually easier than one. I know it's counterintuitive, but you're just not making those same decisions the first time. A lot of moms who like evidence-based parenting and want to do the right thing, like we consult Dr. Google all the time, we read so many books, we try to find the best stroller, the best baby carrier, decide how you're going to feed your child, purees or baby blood weaning. So much of that first child you you spend a lot of time thinking about those things whereas with the second child I've noticed there's so much more confidence and you roll with it a a lot more plus the toddler can often entertain the first kid and you already know what to expect with your body and your delivery so I see that difference and you have the experience to learn from also professionally whatever expectations you might have had the first time around you you can prepare you can work with a coach You can seek mentorship. You can be very intentional about what you want to do in terms of training. You can, you know, still do a communication plan. There are now more guides. Like we offer tons of guides for moms for planning, right? They, when, when they join us, we just help them with a lot of that. Personally, I think that the second time was almost easier for me because I already have that identity as a parent. And I see it with a lot of moms as well as I watch their social media feeds And, you know, there, there are some pros and babes participants that I saw with their first children and they come back for a second cohort and the confidence is completely different. And because they've thought about that career stuff with us, they also are doing the work continuously to build the working mom life that they want. And they're, they're more clear on what is important to them. Mm-hmm. You mentioned coaching. I'm curious, what type of coaching exactly could a mother seek related to this? There, there are different types, right? You can do one-on-one coaching with somebody who will help you accelerate. Sometimes time is scarce, so you want somebody who will point you in the right direction. You can, like in, in pros and days, we offer peer mentorship. So it's 
where we train the women in our group to peer mentor each other. And so I give them a framework and then they have a sounding board. And it's not peer mentorship is different from having a more senior person mentoring you. It's somebody who's experiencing something similar to you. You know, you're not alone. And then you can come to them and ask them questions and they can encourage you. And then the group of mom can, moms can encourage you as well. So that's the type of coaching that uh, you can get. There, there are coaches for absolutely everything in our time. So whatever you're looking, whether it's, you know, self-care, whether it's uh, even psychologists can, can have a very positive approach, right? A, a lot of us have benefits through work. So you can work with the psychologist when things are going well. You don't have to wait until you're feeling badly to work with psychologists to help you figure out what's important to you so tapping into there are tons of resources and, and, and therapists and coaches out there who can help you shrink time essentially because what a coach will do is help you get where you want to faster and that's what a mom often doesn't have she doesn't have time <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly I think you love to read books because you do recommend quite a few. I'm also a mom that loves to read and I love to share helpful resources with the listeners. Name two books that you would definitely recommend for working mom or anything that helps her with that mindset or about going back to work. Yes. So, okay. This one is not specifically on going back to work. Maybe I'll start with the one that does. I I always recommend back to work after baby uh, by Lori Mihalich Levin. And she, she's from the States. She's a lawyer. So it's more geared towards women who don't have a very long maternity leave, but it's still just a really good starting point for kind of logistical aspects. And then in front of me, I have one that's earmarked. It's called No Ego by Cy Wake. And it's about accountability. And there's three really important questions she asks is what do I know for sure? How can I help and how I can add value? And disclaimer, some people will find it a little bit harsh because it puts a lot of individual responsibility. So some people criticize that she goes a little bit far with that. But ultimately, I found it extremely helpful. It's so easy to start telling stories in your head about situations, about text messages, about other people's intentions, about emails that might seem snarky. But Cy Wakeman encourages you to ask yourself, what do I know for sure? And edit down a situation to facts. And this book has had a very big impact on my life and what I, you know, how I think about myself and how I think about others. So back to work after baby and no uh, by Lori Mihalich Levin and no ego by Cy Wakeman. Perfect. So where can listeners find more about you, Pros and Babe? You do regular Instagram lives and they're really interesting. So talk about everything. When are you releasing that uh, online programs? Give us all the details. Thank you for asking. So I'm very excited about that. So, you know, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pros and babes all spelled out you can find it also through our website prosandbabes.com but I really encourage women to come to our Facebook group because this is where we're present this is where I show up live with my weekly show and we often give worksheets we also have giveaways so we always encourage people to participate we have coffee shop gift cards for our workshops we'll be giving away books most like Facebook is where they can find the most resources our website has some resources too I'm on Instagram as well. I'm on LinkedIn. So, so yes. And then for the online program, the, the mom BA program is kicking off. So we'll be opening registrations and, and I think the, the enrollment will be year round, but beginning of July, women can enroll into the mom BA program. And it's kind of just the, the refinement of everything we've been listening to for the last three years, everything that moms have been telling us all packaged in. 
and this super supportive community where they can find the structure they need because mat leave can feel so chaotic and I want moms to come to us and feel like okay I have you know I don't have my work to give me my rhythm but I have pros and babes to encourage me what to read what to do and every day take a small step to feel more confident about being a working mom it's going to be the mom ba program so like m-o-m-b-a not an mba but a mom ba one last question. We all know that being a mother and a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences. Keeping motherhood inspired, what one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey? Of course, my kids giggles. <laughs> my, my my kids smile when you know my toddler now comes to me and tells me, "Mama, I love you. Mama, how can I help?" And I've been really intentional about that. I've been intentional about having love as a core value and having that on my board to look at every day. Love has kept me inspired, and my children and the the love they give back in return. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening, two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcast. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye guys.